Well, hey, what we're going to do now is we're going to watch an intro video. We've been in this, this vineyard-wide series called Empowered. And uh, today we're going to hear briefly from the guy who's, who's the national director of our movement, the Association of Vineyard Churches. And so, and so Jay Pathak planted church in the Denver area, Mile High Vineyard, and uh, Jay's just an awesome guy, a man of God. And so we want to hear what he talks about as we're kind of wrapping up this series about Pentecost. So if we'll watch that. I'll give you some more details. Hey everybody, Jay Pathak here. I'm the National Director for Vineyard USA, and it's Pentecost Sunday. So I'm really excited to share with you, there's hundreds of vineyard churches all over the country that are taking this day to think about Pentecost. And if you've been in church, you kind of know what that name means, but there's probably a lot of you have never heard of this. And why would we think about Pentecost Sunday? And what even is Pentecost? It's kind of a weird name. And, and why are you going to focus all of the vineyard on this? And the reason is, is because, well, as the vineyard, we are a people of the Spirit. We believe in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we can have encounters with the living God, that he's alive. And I don't know if you would agree, but it's my experience, at least in Denver, it seems to be true, that people are looking for the supernatural. People want to have experiences outside of just their own physical life and sort of the physical world that we live in. There's a place in Denver uh, that I drive by quite a bit where there's a famous psychic. And this person is so famous that there are people that are literally lined around the corner. Like around the block, there's a line of people that are waiting to get a tarot card reading or sort of a psychic reading. And it's like around the block every single day. The line starts at like seven in the morning and it kind of goes all the way till they're closed. And I think to myself every time I drive by, there's no line around the block to get into any church I know. You know, just waiting to get in, to have a spiritual moment, a spiritual experience. And why is that? It's as though, you know, people just don't think these kinds of things happen in church. Like you would have to go to a tarot card reader, a psychic, or somebody with crystals, or any number of other things, but not necessarily in a church. But we in the vineyard believe that when we're gathered together, when we worship, and when we do the kinds of things that you've done today, that God is among us, that he's with us by the power and the presence of his spirit. And that he intends to engage us in every way that we might experience him, not just think about him, not just believe in him, not just have ideas that help us think about our life. Though we do that kind of stuff, you know, we'll teach and pastor and hang out and be together, but, but that we're led by his presence in a supernatural way. And this day, Pentecost Sunday, is a day that the church has remembered an incredible day that was after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, where he died, he rose again. And then in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
And so the disciples waited and they prayed for this outpouring of God's presence. So the passage is in Acts chapter 2. I think we'll have it up there for you too, but let me read it for us. In Acts chapter 2, Luke writing, because kind of Acts is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. Luke writing says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated, came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who were speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthian, Medes, and I'm not going to read all the places because I'm going to mispronounce them from everywhere. All, all, the whole list, it goes all the way down to verse 11. Uh, I'll read the last one. And Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. I love the way that text ends. They've had too much wine. I know that we're in church. You're good Christians. So you would not probably even know what it looks like for someone to be drunk. You're like, Jay, I've seen it in a movie. I've heard about it. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's given a lot of credit to us. And, um, well, hey, what, he's, what, what Jay is talking about is about uh, Pentecost. And we talked about it a few weeks ago. Pentecost is basically 50 days. Penta is a suffix that means 50. It's 50 days after Easter or, uh, uh, or more concisely after Passover. Passover, Pesach was a day in um, the Jewish, uh, Jewish tradition. It was the grandest of all holidays. It's the day that signified the exodus from Egypt, where God used his powers, his might, and he just broke forth and did things no one else could do. And God used a great wind to rush through the great sea, part it, and deliver his people. And God, so this is the Passover, and when Jesus dies, it's, a, it's another representation of the Passover. When Jesus dies as the sacrificial lamb in our place, like the, the Passover lamb, the blood on the doorpost, that if that was on your doorpost, that the angel of death came and passed over your house and you didn't receive judgment. In Jesus, the Passover lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, when he died in our place on Passover, Pesach Friday, when Jesus died, he rose and he passed over. And when we receive his blood in our lives, the angel of death and condemnation passes over our lives as well. So the biggest feast was the Passover. Well, Pentecost was a big one too because 50 days later it followed it with Shavuot, which was this feast of weeks. The feast of weeks because it was seven weeks after Easter. And it was a big celebration that was uh, like commemorated at harvest time when people brought the first fruits of the harvest. So the harvest had been growing for a couple months. They brought their first fruits there and they offered them and they were burnt 
offerings. They would burn the offerings. They wouldn't keep them. They would give them to God. And the burning would seem to, between the fire and the wind, there's this mixture of this aromatic thing that touched the heart of heaven. And God blessed the rest of the harvest with his people. So that's what the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest was all about. And it was 50 days after Passover. It was death unto life. So in the Bible, fire and wind are really big deals. We see over and over again, fire and wind, kind of these supernatural uh, forces are a big deal. Even now, we can make wind, but we can't like create wind. And we can make fire, but we can't create or control all fires. And we see very early on that God uses these things to get people's attention. And we see Moses, especially, Moses' whole plight, his trajectory started when he fled from Egypt in return, and he's in front of a senna tree. A senna tree was the burning bush. They didn't really have a word for bush or tree. They were just kind of called trees. But a senna tree was um, what seems to be represented in the book of Exodus. And here, this burning bush, God speaks to Moses. What we see later on on Mount Sinai, which in the Hebrew language, Sena, Sinai, sound a lot alike. God delivers with fire the tablets or the oracles of God, the word of God with thunder, lightning, which we know that creates fire from God. And so we think Moses, and then with the Passover, the Passover that there was a commemorate, they presented the Passover offering, the blood, and then you burnt the sacrifice. So this whole trajectory of Moses, of God interacting with his people, seemed to happen with fire or great storms. And, and very interesting, when Jesus calls himself, um, Jesus calls himself fire. When he says, I am the light of the world in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world, that light Back then, they didn't have Duke Energy or Owen Electric. It, you couldn't just flip a switch. This was actually like this light, like I'm the fire. I'm the warmth. I'm the power. I'm the movement. I'm the electricity. I'm the change. I'm the spark of entropy. I'm the deliverance, the healing and the change of the world. Jesus was talking about a fire because back then when someone lit a light, they were turning on a candle. And what's a candle powered by? Any guesses? Fire, there you go. So fire, so when Jesus talks about himself, he's talking about this stuff, and John walks straight through his gospel about all these I am statements and talking about the great name of God that when, when Moses was met by God and encountered God, God revealed himself as Yahweh. Say, Yahweh. Yahweh is such a sacred name in the Hebrew language, you wouldn't even say it, but rather you could breathe it because you might have heard me say before that the, the, the saying of the name of Yahweh sands the vows in the diction is um, much like a deep breath. So you could breathe his name, but you couldn't say it. It was too, because his name was akin to the breath and breath is akin to wind that comes out of us. So we could utter his name the same way he gave it. And so John goes straight through his gospel with these various between seven and 12 I am statements, how you want to look at it. 
And Jesus says, I am, he calls, he kind of um, summons the, the tetragrammatron, this powerful name of God, of Yahweh, the unspoken name, and Jesus has the audacity to call himself that. And one of them, I'm the fire of the world. And God calls himself in Hebrews 12, 29, it says, for our God is a consuming fire. So when this fire and this wind that Jay talked about fell at Pentecost, it was not an accident. It was not an accident. There was something that here, there was a repeated pattern. And one of the reasons you might say, I don't like the Old Testament, it's really boring, it's really hard to figure out. Never read the Old Testament first, okay? Just like, don't start with Revelation. There's nothing wrong with these books. They're given by God for all scriptures God breathed. But it's way easier to know what the shadow is if you first know the object. Look at Jesus. Back then, they had to fast forward and try to figure out things to come. We get the privilege of looking back because we can look at the object, the darling of heaven given to us in human form, Jesus Christ, and we can look back at the Old Testament and we can interpret it through the lens of who Jesus is. So the book of Acts and even prophetic things, you want to look at Christ to get this interpretation. And when we look at these things, I'm giving you all this backstory in the Old Testament because this was not something that would have blown them away completely. Now, it did, but it wasn't in the sense they would have expected God, if he was going to come, to come like wind or like fire. They would have expected it. Now, he comes a bunch of ways, but this would not have been something that they would have looked at and been like, ah, like if he came as a turtle or a dolphin or like a go-kart or something. Like they would have been like, ah, I don't got a precedent for this. But this wind and fire thing was very normal f for him. And, and I think what it is, is um, God means to show himself to us like physical ways in kind of supernatural ways. I think there's this thing that, that goes on in heaven where God wants to relate to us in a very tangible way, but he's still God. And so we see in part, know in part, and we can't fully experience him, but we can um, fully experience him. Like we can experience him to, like you can't, you and I can't fully experience a fire, can we? We can experience the warmth, we can experience melting things, but we can't put ourselves in the middle of a fire and experience it very long. And so it is with the Lord. There's this thing about we can experience him, but we, we, we aren't gonna get all of it on this side of heaven. But what happened here in the book of Acts was much more than just an ordinary kind of interpretation of the Mosaic Covenant. There was something here that described this thing fell on them it says it fell on it. It says it fell on all the people. And they were um, devout Jews from every nation, every, um, and they heard the loud noise and everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were amazed. How can this be? These people are all from Galilee. And you've heard, uh, like before, um, anyone with like maybe a harsh Kentucky accent in here? Like imagine you getting up and doing like a Shakespearean play. And so it might be like, hey, 
like, uh, like you know, this sounds a little different than, than, the, than the Elizabethan English I'm used to. And this is what happened, because they're from Galilee, and they're like, they spoke, they spoke hick Hebrew. They spoke hick Hebrew. And so they're like, how are these dudes, how are they all speaking our language? They don't look like the linguistic type. They don't look like the interpreter type. And so it's really interesting that I don't know I don't know, and you might, some of you might kill me for this, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I don't know, were they speaking all in new tongues or was everyone hearing in their own tongue? The Bible doesn't exactly point that out here. Either way, whether it was a new tongue or they were hearing in their own language, it was a miracle. It was a miracle, and I think there's something about that's happening here that the great reversal of Pentecost was that there was one system that they all came to Jerusalem for these couple, for these couple festivals. They came to one place to worship and God was reversing and breaking the whole system and speaking back to them in their own language, not in colloquial Hebrew or, or else like the Aramaic language. God was speaking to them in their own language as a harbinger of what was to come that God says, you don't have to come here anymore. I'm gonna send you there. Wherever you are, that's where I am. Because I am that I am and I can go with you. And in fact, I want to. So these tongues of fire fell on people and it's like it almost burned something out of them that hit the ears of people. And I think for the first time, a lot of these people from different race, tribes, and tongues could hear Jesus whisper, I love you. They could hear Jesus say, come on. They could hear Jesus say, come on, I don't care how far off you are. Come with me and watch what I do. I'm the God who's accessible. Just like Moses on his worst day in that burning bush in the desert, God spoke to him Jesus was saying to these people from far off, you don't have to come somewhere, but you can take me with you today. So what happened at Pentecost, the power of Pentecost, the fire and the wind were not just to wow, but these are things that, have, that can't be contained. Like wind just keeps moving, doesn't it? Fire just keeps raging. And Jesus said, so it's gonna be with my church. I'm not just a little candle in the temple or I'm not a little breath when you pull the curtain shut. I am the God who moves. And God, rather than having just one red hot center in Jerusalem, wanted red hot centers in the hearts of everyone. And everyone there was filled and everyone there was that they were captured with awe. And they were completely amazed. How can this be? And it's interesting that how you best stoke a fire is you, you blow the wind on it. Yes. So this fire that God was culminating and starting in people's lives, this, this, the release of this wind, God wanted to blow it outside of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and beyond as he had just promised a chapter earlier. Do you know God is so, well, we talk so much about discipleship and house groups because God wants to take the fire that maybe you receive here or another podcast or in your quiet time and God wants to dispense that to the earth so everyone hears in their own language Jesus saying, I love you. 
Jesus, people hearing Jesus say, come on, Jesus saying, I've got answers to your questions, that I've got answers to the things that are troubling your soul. I've got remedy for you that's available. You don't have to come get it, here it is. I stand at the door and knock. If you'll let me in, watch what I do. What happened at Pentecost was this dispensement of grace that was unfounded and uncharted and God saying, let me in and watch what I do. When we speak the oracles of God, when people watch our lives, do they hear us and stand amazed and hear God speaking back to them? Because that's what happened at Pentecost. The gifts were not given for like some display other than God opening the eyes and minds of people to hear his voice and to dine with him and to let their heart be his home. See, we believe in the vineyard. We believe in the gifts. We believe that God, that we wanna be a people anchored in the word, but yet walking in the spirit. But gifts are not just for the sake of wowing and all this other stuff, but I think they're for wooing. I think they're for wooing and God, like, like when a young man meets a woman and he does all of his best tricks. And then you're like, Oh, he's so cute. He's so smart. You know, he can do this and do that. I think that there's something that happens with God when he first engages us, that he's chasing us. And he shows himself to us. And granted, we want to see some of those firework displays now and again, but it's way more in the mundane and the usual, right, from thereafter. So God will wow us and God will, uh, will shoot the fireworks, but there's a lot of times where God is trying to engage us And then there's this thing that he he wants us to continue to stoke the fire and fan the flame. And so I want to ask, do we allow God's fire to touch inside and out of us and spread into our communities? Because these guys had already been chased out. They'd watched Jesus die and they're like, forget about it. We're going for it. Here we go. Peter stood up that day and they thought the dude was drunk. He's like, I don't care what you think of me. Here's the truth. And then they were amazed because they heard God in their own language. We don't know what he said. And, but they said, what must we do to be saved? Do our lives burn so bright, burn so powerfully that people are looking at us and like, what do I have to do to be saved? Do people look at the red hot centers of our soul and say, what do I do? Sign me up. I want what you have because I don't have it. There'd been such a rebellion against what Jesus had done just 50 days before. And now they're saying, come on, give it to us. Do our lives whisper or yell to people, God loves you? Not just our words, but our deeds. Because these guys gathered and these gals gathered and they were praying until the house shook. When we talk about prayer, we're not just inviting you to some boring exercise at a time that's inconvenient. We're saying we want and we need the Spirit of God to do what we can't do. If we want to do what Jesus did, let's just do what Jesus did. And the disciples took it really seriously. They're like, he was always on his face and we fell asleep on the job, but now he's gone. We're going to wake up and we're going to do what Jesus did. So when we pray with seriousness, with a ferocity, with a regularity, it says, Lord, I want you to stoke this wind in my soul, this fire, and I want you to do what only you can do. 
I don't want the light to go out. I don't want that, that thing to go dormant inside of me. I don't want this to fall apart on my watch. I don't want my country, I don't want my family, I don't want this world swept away into perdition and then have to wait for someone else to stoke the fire 50 years later. That's what prayer is. Prayer is this dependence that Jesus, I'll provide the sacrifice, you provide the fire. I give you myself as a living sacrifice, burn me up. Torch what was there so everyone can hear you say through me, I love you. Do, he, do people hear us saying this with our lives? Pentecost, like I said, is so important because it's a torching of an old and broken down model giving way to a new and luminous one. And then Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. But then in that great sermon, he says, you are the light of the world. Tongues of fire fit well for a kingdom of priests. This stuff is not just a, um, well, hey, we can do this to have maybe a better life, a deeper spirituality. Like, this, the stuff we're talking about, friends, the stuff in this book it's not just a call, it's a command, it's a welcome. It's a welcome into the things that were dead and bringing death, like I'm gonna catapult you into life and I will let unimaginable amounts of people come with you if you'll just do what I say, because Jesus says that the seed that fell upon good soil produced a crop 30, 60, even 100 fold. Our lives are meant to have great impact. And we know when seed, you just put it in one place, that's why you can plant corn here, then you can get corn across the street because wind takes that seed where it wants and sometimes stuff just grows up. Do we let the, the wind and fire of God move in our lives in such a way, do we try to contain it and control it, put a fence around it, or do we let it do what it wants to do? And... There's this great guy, and you've probably, if you've been around here before, maybe not. There was this guy named Polycarp of Smyrna. Polycarp was um, not, in the Latin, many carps. He wasn't like a bunch of carps swimming around. But he was, sorry, that's a terrible pastor joke. Um, Polycarp was this um, kind of first-generation disciple of John. John, the one Jesus loved, the one who wrote the book of uh, Revelation the, um, in the Gospel of John. Polycarp was his first generation uh, disciple, and he was bishop of Smyrna. Smyrna was in Asia Minor, which today is Turkey. And Smyrna is this little kind of low-rent place still there, um, not far from Ephesus, not far from like Izmir. Izmir is a big port city. And Smyrna is this place where Polycarp was the bishop, and they hated him. Polycarp's deeds, his love for Jesus were, were legendary, and he was a man on fire for God. Literally on fire. That when Polycarp was disposed of and attempted to be executed for his faith, they lit him on fire, and Polycarp basically sat there like he was just uh, sitting on the steps of a swimming pool. No smell, no burn. No, nothing besides this guy just preaching the gospel in the fire. Polycarp was so lit up by God that the fires of earth couldn't touch him. Yeah, 
Polycarp was, and, and this is real stuff. You might be able to say, oh, that's not possible. Well, we serve a God that, though it's impossible with us, it's very possible with him. There's another story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? The guys toss them into the fire, and the guys who crank up the fire actually die because they get so close to it. But they're just sitting in there, you know, playing Yahtzee or whatever they're doing in this fire and just kind of hanging around, and they're just chilling because the fire of earth couldn't touch them. Does the fire of God burn out from us so much that the things of earth don't touch us the way they used to? Does the wind of God emanate so much from our lives that the world around us is transformed? That's what Pentecost was about. Pentecost wasn't just about the release of the gifts or the release of the spirit, which the name for the spirit is also equated with wind or fire, but it was the release of the kingdom of God on the earth for the appointed age. Because God had bigger plans for the world than just people come to a temple where the candles were burning and the glory was. So this kingdom of God light you up. Like I said, fire refines, it burns, it melts. But if handled properly, it's a powerful agent. The fire of God changed everything. Does it have this effect on us? Does the fire of God, are you different as a result of the Holy Spirit's work in your life? Do you share the gospel? Do you give your life away? Do you trust? Do you forgive? All this stuff is what God wanted to blow out. He wanted to blow the old dust out of our souls and breathe new life. He wanted, like even a fire has a hard time sometimes growing in a very cluttered, dirty thing because it needs room for the wind to stir it up. Are we letting the fire of God or the wind of God blow the garbage out of our lives to do what he wants? It's really important. Is your fire, and we know this, if our fire is lighting up the world around us. Because if we're, because Jesus says, no one has this light, this fire, and puts a bowl over it. A lot of us live in these holy huddles or these little spiritual cocoons where everything's okay, but we control everything so no one or anything can ever get in or out. And it may even be the Holy Spirit that doesn't get in or out. It's the gospel, the gospel fire doesn't get in or out because we control our lives, our schedules, our finances, our families, like our routines, our thoughts so much. Do you have margin in your life for the fire to spread? Luke 3.16 says, John responded, this is John the Baptist, not uh, John the disciple. Said as he's here all of them saying, as for me, I baptize you with water, but he who is coming is mightier than I, and I am not fit even to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, the wind, and with fire. The fire is for everyone that's alive, every race, tribe, tongue, nation. Are there people that you're unwilling to or do not think could, would, or should hear the gospel? Because Jesus wasn't super discriminant. And I notice more and more people, I praise God more and more, I look around this place and I see people from different countries, from different places, I love it. I love that we got, you know, we got lots of white bread up in here, but we got Indian folks, uh, 
uh, Hispanic folks, African folks, South American folks. Like, like, you know, we're, I love that we're becoming a church for the nations. That's the heart of Jesus. Because heaven's gonna be colorful. It's not just gonna be all one color of people. Do we have that grid in our lives for the kingdom that's for people that don't look or maybe act like us, that aren't our age, that don't speak our language? See, the thing is, you don't have to, you don't have to speak everyone's language to preach the gospel to them. Do you know that? Jesus says, just go and I'll talk for you. Just let my fire burn so much for you that the wind that will come out of you, a lot of us blow a lot of hot air. Are we blowing out the winds of heaven or like the winds of CNN or the winds of Fox News or the winds of Donald Trump or the winds of Joe Biden? Are we printing out, or are we blowing out the winds of King Jesus? See, a lot of us are filling up the air with a lot of hot air, but it's not the red hot center air that, um, illumines the heart of God to people, that people hear them in their own language. Because, you know, Jesus isn't just a God for conservative people. He's not just a God for socially minded people. He's not just a God, he's not a God just for liberal people. Like, he's a God for everyone. And do you know, if we let that fire, that wind have its way in our heart, do you know we're actually gonna start to look a lot more like him? Do you know that Jesus' morals don't change depending on your age, on your race, or on your gender, or on the era you live in? People that, are, that have bent their hearts toward Jesus generally have a similarity of thought. It's not like all like a, uh, like a like homogenous thing, but mostly we're gonna agree on, we're gonna major in the major. Uh, we're gonna major in the majors. So you might say, well, why is so-and-so's politics or whatever so differently than mine? I think the spirit of God gets a hold of us. We're gonna find out we're a lot more aligned than we are disaligned. And Pentecost didn't care about any of that stuff. It just wanted the fire of God to touch every human heart and draw people to himself because the world's cold and the world's dark. And that's why Jesus used the metaphor of a light. Because when it's cold, you come to the warmth. When it's dark, you go to the light. And I think the brand of Christianity and church we see in the West isn't too powerful or transferable to other cultures, other cultures, because we say come to big buildings or big meetings. And in a lot of places, they just can't afford that. They don't even have a grid for that. They think it's stupid. They think it's a waste of money. And I'm not chiding our building. I'm thankful for it, but this isn't the point. This is just basically, this is a gas station, not a country club. No one goes to a gas station for vacation. <laughs> you stop at some on the way, but it's just to fill up and get you to the destination. And that's, that's what Sunday is here. So these big meetings are, are just a fill up for the destination of going to preach the gospel to every nation, tribe, and tongue. You were meant to be speakers and carriers of God's wind and fire. Even if you don't know Jesus and you're here today, that's what you were made for. You were made to be part of God's family, God the Father's family, adopted by him as his son and daughter, and to do the family business, which is the, the recreation of this broken place, restoring a broken world. You are meant to be part of that. 
So you might be new here today, or you might just be passing by, or you might be far from God. You're like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. God's plan for your life is to give you this wind and fire to change you and change the world through you. There's no plan B. Pentecost is proof that there's no plan B. Because there's a repeating of this cycle of when God pours his spirit out on the earth and people take what was, what, what was happening. They worship him in spirit and truth and then they get discipled and then they go do the stuff Jesus did. That's been the rhythm and the pattern for 2,000 years. We are meant to be carriers of this wind and fire. So I wanna ask you, do you want fresh fire today? Do you want the wind of God? Keith Green sings his great song, Rushing Wind. It says, rushing wind blow through this temple, blowing out the dust, the dust within. Come and breathe your breath upon me. I've been born again. Do you want this rushing wind to fill your temple and just to exterminate maybe the fires that rage against God? Or maybe the things that are standing in the way, there's something in the way like the Nirvana song says. Do you need God to just blow that thing out? Do you need God to burn that thing up? There's an opportunity for you to do that today. We have the baptism open and I even brought extra clothes. So we're just gonna kinda do an impromptu baptism. If you're like, I want Jesus, I want this stuff, I wanna receive the Holy Spirit or I wanna get baptized or baptize again, we invite you to come. If you want God to do something powerful, we would love to pray for you today. Maybe you've been baptized before, but you just need a fresh touch of God. We wanna pray for you today. Because when we say come Holy Spirit, we mean it, because without it, we're sunk. Without it, we're sunk. If we don't have the Spirit of God, as my old friend and pastor used to say, we're just the Lions Club minus the ashtrays if we don't have the Holy Spirit. If we don't have the fresh fire and wind of God, we're just some other good good deed club that's gonna have a carnival, you know, in the fall to raise some money. And we don't want a bunch of cheap beer and lottery tickets around here. We want a move of God. So who would say today, like, I, I want this fire, I want this wind. What you're talking about, I don't have, or I used to have, and I don't have it anymore. Don't be ashamed, these people popped up and the Spirit of God came, they're like, what do we gotta do to get this? Who would say today that, I'm sorry, I know maybe, you know, oh, it's not cool, I don't, don't wanna be called out. I'm not calling you out, I'm inviting you to receive a world-changing uh, capacity. So who would say, I, I want this fire. I want God to change my life. I want God, God to renew me. Anyone? Yeah, thanks, 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 yeah. Stand up, stand up to your feet. We're gonna pray. And who would say that I wanna, I wanna get in the tub today with Ryan and Autumn? Woo! Woo-hoo! Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you wanna get baptized, there's stuff up here. We're just gonna pray. Come up over there and we'll get you in the tub. Um, I'm gonna change and uh, it'll just take me a minute. Because I'm like Clark Kent in a phone booth over here. So, Lord, we just thank you. We ask for your fire to fall. I pray for tongues of fire. I pray for an understanding of it. I pray for gifts of healing. I pray for miracles. I pray for the love of your son. Holy Spirit, help us fall in love with Jesus deeply today. 
Maybe put your hands out. Holy Spirit, just receive this gift of God. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fall on our lives? Would you fall on our church? Would you blow out the dust within? Would you hear, would you hear our cries from down here up there, Lord, and just meet us because you're a God who meets us? Maybe your presence is felt far off. We ask it to come in Jesus' name. Would you fill us with fresh wind and fire? Lord, maybe you're just standing up because everyone else is. Lord, would you just convict us that that's not enough? Would you convict us, Lord, that we don't have to be enough, but all we have to say is yes, and you'll give us everything we need for godliness, for grace, for staying power, to do what you're calling us to do. All we have to do is say yes and join you. God, would you come on the vineyard? Would you help us to be a church of prayer? Would you help us to be a church for the nations? Would you help us to be a healing place? Would you help us to be a place that's warm, that people come out of the cold and they feel the warmth of God? Would you help people come out of the dark and feel the light of God? Lord, would you let our families look like heaven, not like America? where we're run ragged and we're watching our kids from afar and just teaching them how to do more good things, but maybe not to be like Jesus. Would you change the rhythms of our lives? Would you break into our busyness? And would you manifest your presence to us, God? Jesus, would you pour your goodness out on this church, on every life here, every marriage? Would you bring healing to marriages? Would you bring healing to sick people, to sick kids? Lord, would you bring what we need to stay on the vine? Would you break down every lie? Lord, everything that maybe deceives us, fear. Lord, we, we ask that your inferno would melt the fear that grips our culture. That the spirit, I don't wanna be confrontational or offend anyone. Would you, just, would you just torch that thing, Jesus? And help us to be more concerned with whether we're offending you by not sharing your gospel. Lord, would you break us of everything that's offensive? And would you have your wind, your fresh aromatic wind, blow the stinky, dead, necromatic stuff out of our souls, Lord, into the streets and blow into Florence, Hebron, Burlington, Union, Erlanger, Lord, all the places surrounding, Lord, greater Cincinnati, our country, Lord, in the world. And would you do a seminal global work here, Lord, that your fire, just like in Jerusalem, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and beyond, would you do that here today? We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We invite you, and we beg you to stay with us. As David prayed, take not your Holy Spirit from us. Because, Lord, if you don't go with us, we're sunk. We're to be pitied more than all people if we're just trying to keep rules and check boxes. We want fresh wind, fresh fire, and a move of God on the earth that shakes the kingdom of darkness to its core. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. If you want more prayer, prayer teams will be here. If you wanna get in, we're gonna uh, just play for a minute. I don't know if worship team wants